red five. I'm going in. <laughs> Back to Trench Run Report. Tonight we're recording on episodes 8, 9, 10 of Andor Season 1. Um, full disclosure, we've already seen episodes 11 and 12. We will try not to uh, bring those up necessarily, um, kind of contain it to 8, 9, 10, but there will be like less speculation, I guess, than there would have been had we not already seen 11 and 12, but um, still plenty to break down. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, Maybe not episode by episode, but just kind of flow through that arc because it is one unified arc for the story. Yes. Um, so it's also known as the Narkina 5 arc or the prison arc um, because that is the primary setting for this episode is uh, Andor mm -hmm. in Narkina 5 for being um, arrested for violating the PORD, uh, whatever that was called, the Public Order something directive, <laughs> resentencing directive. Um, so he got scooped up on... Space Miami. He was um, arrested for going on a food run. Yeah, for being mm -hmm. in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, turns out, well, that's what we'll, that's what we'll find out. <laughs> we know he was sentenced in the last in episode seven, mm -hmm. but we didn't know exactly what that had in store for him, other than what we had in the trailer. So we got to see the whole inner workings of this place. So, um, so the planet is Narkina Five. It is at least seven prison. Um, I don't know if they're floating or they're like installations in the water seven-sided uh, there's seven seven-sided facilities that have uh you know seven levels of seven rooms with two shifts each of seven tables with seven people at each one plus a supervisor so there's like thousands of guys uh laboring in 12-hour shifts or whatever um building something which we later find out what it is, but we didn't know that going in. And it wasn't really important ultimately. Like I was, I would have been fine if we never found out or um, if it turns out that like, if they had had a shot where like the room below them, like is just disassembling. Yeah. Like they just come in and they just take them apart. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that would be so like cool. Shift, shift one, there's a hole in shift two, like fills it in. You know? <laughs> I appreciated the, what they did end up doing with that though yeah as much as i didn't necessarily need it no and i didn't we didn't need it for the for episodes eight through ten to be really good right but the reveal in episode 12 was it's poetic sweet. in a way yeah very sweet mm -hmm. yeah and um like just watching like the prison stuff it, it did remind me of uh thx 1138 mm -hmm. oh yeah very much definitely um, like the uniforms, which I'm pretty sure we're going to see those at oh, cel yeah. Celebration. Yeah. Uh, or maybe it's going to be like the new uh, uh, World Row uh, run, where where like they have like a bunch of them just run through the oh, convention. Yeah. Yeah, the Naruto run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So they're right. So he's sentenced to what, seven years? And he, oh. so like, he's got this little bunk and it like has his countdown on it, you know? And this like prison, yeah, you, you work 12 shifts, you're barefoot. 
Um, like they're ordered to take off their shoes right away, and then you're like, "What's up with that?" And then the guys come out like these imperial troopers, but they have like snowboarding boots on. And you're like, "I was like, whoa, for a second. And then this is totally the guy nailed it. Like the sadistic, like he's explaining how it works, and he almost gets like pleasure out of it because he like, you know, he shows them how it works. Like he zaps, he pushes the button right, and then mm-hmm. the guys that are barefoot like get zapped because the floor is electrified, and he's like. He's like, <laughs> he's like loving it, you know, and it's like, oh, and so like they get, you know, he's like, you're the, you know, your experience, your pleasure here will be up to you, right? And it turns out that they're competing against each other. Each, each table is competing against each other in their shift, but then each room is competing against the other. And like the best, the best crew gets flavor in their food because their little beds have like a food tube that they can just eat whenever. Um, which like like, yeah, but it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. like bland or whatever. The best the best crew of the day gets that. I don't know what happens to like the worst. Um, they get room. zapped. The whole room gets zapped. Oh, that's the worst room of the day. I just know the worst table. Okay, they have to stand in that square and they get zapped. Like the, look, Kino, who's like the manager or the leader, the foreman. He indicates that like he's competing against the other foreman or the other rooms, but like what they never elaborate like what happens to the best and worst room overall even within that like maybe if you're the best room maybe the worst table that day doesn't get zapped either right that's your only reward for being the best table um and then maybe like the worst room <laughs> everyone gets zapped even if you're the best one in that group <laughs> mm. um but they get yeah they get they zapped in the middle which we see in a later episode like the punishment phase or whatever mm-hmm. um so yeah it's just this bleak existence where they're like they they, they walk past in the hallway the one crew leaving, the one crew coming in, and they're not supposed to talk, and they have this whole, like, on program where you have your hands over your head, and you have to, like, face forward, so, like, everyone's very regimented and strict, and, yeah, it's very THX, and just, like, uh, like typical prison uh, induction kind of genre. Concentration camp. Yeah. It was very cool how it was, like, on the one hand, it's, like, we've seen that before. Uh-huh. Like, the whole, like, and we've all seen that scene where, like, a new inmate comes into the prison, and it's loud, and then the guards are intimidating them. Somebody's like, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> or like someone's like, you know, you better watch your yeah. back. Join the white supremacists. No, join the, this game, like, join that game. I, I like that it was like, that it was familiar, yet totally different. Like, I've never seen a prison yeah. sequence like that, just the way that prison, like the prisons, prisons are usually like <laughs> dirty and like, they're kind of like there's nothing. Yeah. There's no aesthetic to them really. They're just like brick and steel and concrete. And this one was like very clean and very like it looked like a Star Wars prison. Well, it looked like like uh, like, like the factories where they make iPhones or like high tech equipment. And they like everything has to be like, like sterilized. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a because it's not just a prison. Obviously, it's like actually like a work camp or what the Chinese would call a like, vocational center <laughs> like, slash concentration camp, right? So it's like, yeah, they're laboring for the empire, building little as well. So they have to, they have, they have to like, work together to build these uh, seven-sided things or six-sided, whatever they were. I think there were seven, right? Everything was seven. They're building these like mm-hmm. star things, right? And we're all like, what is that? What is it? Is it like the bottom of a Viper droid? Is it like a TIE fighter like wing attachment? Like, what is it? What is it? Um, we find out what it is, but I think I think it was what I what I liked was just the way that they showed the monotony and the intensity of the work, uh-huh. and like I thought it was very um, 
like you just get a sense for like it's so like just mind numbing, right? Like they're mm. and they're <clears throat> and all the like motivations they got to give them was like like flavor in your food, <laughs> like like because nobody cares, like. It's just like the, the whole every time they show them working, I feel like you really get a sense of like that they're 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 working fast and their motivation is so they don't get zapped. Yeah, it's like it's all <laughs> based on avoid, fear. It's all based on the last one. Not but it's like to trying to survive in this prison. And I I thought that in terms of the arc of things, like I love the idea. Like like you think about like movies like. Shawshank Redemption or Escape from Alcatraz and other prison break movies like I think this movie this show like what I liked about this arc was that because to make a prison break seem really effective like to for it for that for a prison break story to work it has to feel initially like oh there's no way you could ever yeah get out like like your first shot you see is it's surrounded by water mm-hmm. like a total alcatraz right like idea and then like you know they're they're barefoot they're vulnerable any part of the floor can kill them instantly like it just seems like there's no way they're they, yeah. how could they possibly yeah you know but I, I love it it's like it's just like the have you guys ever seen the escape from alcatraz with clint eastwood like mm-hmm. similar to Shawshank, it's like where people literally like Escape from Alcatraz was interesting to me because it was a true story, mm-hmm. and like you're just like like how the guy's just like basically like picking away at the wall in his cell for years, just like <laughs> slowly like carving, you know, and then and they get out like, and I feel like this show like did a good job of like creating that arc of like where they first come in and it's like. Oh, dude, this, he's screwed. There, there's no way anybody could get out of here. Look at how they they have control. Like, where would they even go? Like, how would they even get and yeah, out? Cassian is he's watching carefully everything. Like, he's getting because we see like him go all the way from the outside to the floor, and he's like observing like their procedures and like they even hint at like they're understaffed, right? Because like the guys are like, oh, sorry, late. Right. right. And then there's a like short staff over here and he's just like sitting there taking notes like hmm 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 and then the next episode we see him like tinkering with that thing in the bathroom, right? So he's like he's been scheming, which is like consistent with his character, he's always like got some he's hustle. Rat. He's, he's got some rat. muscle to hustle, right? And he's like he's, he's figuring <laughs> it out and then he like because with, then with Kino, it's like Kino's introduced as like the foreman who's like, do not flow it on my line. Like I only have X number of days left. It's like my only priority is like finishing my time and getting out of here. And then in the second episode, he's trying to convince him like more and more, you know, like, hey, like there's more going on here. Or, like this, like we need to figure out how to get out of here. And then, yeah, there's, a, there's the turning point for him where, you know, once something happened, right, the power surged, right? And everyone's like, what happened? What happened? Like the rumors are spreading and they're talking through sign language to the other tunnels. And like, like that. See, that's the yeah, kind of like, stuff that's like, like, where they said they say like a word comes through a week or something yeah. like that. Like, well, that's what he was like, like trying to justify to himself and rationalize. Like, you don't know what you know. Like, you know, like this telephone game, you can't rely on it. Like, he's almost trying to talk himself out of like reality, and like it's so masterfully done in that tunnel where he's like he goes from skeptic to like, you know, like we're just gonna get through one more shift, and like you can tell in his face he's like, okay, like it's sinking in. Like, yeah, I, he's already something. He, like, we need to do something. He's, I love. I would just, I gotta say, like, 
I think most people that have reacted to the show, like Kino's character is so, goes through such a yeah cool three episode. Like when you first meet him, he's an asshole. Yeah, he, he's kind of the antagonist. Yeah. Like, he's mm-hmm. a dick. And he's, yeah. and he's 100% like bought into all the things that he like, he has no idea. Like, like he really, he's a true believer he, in the best possible way. He's a true yeah. believer. Like I'm going to follow the rules. We're going to get this job done. and I'm getting the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And he's like 100%. But then in the second episode, you see that it's not, cause it initially comes off as a little bit selfish. Like he gets off on the power and he's just trying to get out of there in, in, in the most pleasurable way for him. Mm-hmm. But then you see in like episode two, like he actually wants his guys to have a good, like, He's looking out for his crew mm-hmm. in a way. Like he wants them all to get out safely and just like keep your head down. Just, if we all do a good job, that's how we all get out of here safely. So you start like, oh, he's kind of like a drill sergeant. Or, yeah, like he actually does yeah. care for. Like I'm, I'm treating you this way to save right. your life. Yeah. You're like a stern father or something. But he, but he's like so, so tunnel vision that way. Yeah. And it takes someone like Cassian to come in and say, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> "Not to play this game." Yeah. Um, so then on, so then yeah, it, it culminates with the, yeah. Andor, literally like, like Andor's really good at this like as like an instigator or like a provocateur because he like figures out like Kino is the key to this thing. Like he's really the leader. Or, like Cassian's like I'm not the leader, but I can influence the leader. And he like gets him all the way up to the point of like let's get you in the room with the big voice. Turn out to just be some dweeby guy, right? The big the big booming voice of Oz. Just, who who apparently nothing. in the in the credits is God. Yeah, voice of God. <laughs> yeah, voice of God. They call it. Which is another uh, TH chapter right. eleven thirty eight reference. Yep. And then, so like, but then, then he gets Kino to like get on the mic, right, and like inspire everyone to to get out and climb, right. This like idea of climb keeps coming up over and over in Cassian's life, right. And just like he even aches sometimes, like yeah, the bats you got, like come on, keep talking. So like, I don't. I just that was so well done, like both for both of their as the culmination of Kino's arc, but also like this is. Cassian going from self-centered street rat to like kind of the only way we can survive is by banding together and like working together and trusting mm-hmm. each other. And like that's a major shift for him. But he's, he's still he's not a self-centered. No, no, no. But he's like, which is getting his like prerequisites. And, yeah, that's right? what I like yeah. about the arc is that it isn't yeah. actually like that's not the arc where he like turns over a new leaf right he's still just surviving right um because like if luthan or val or Sinta had found him in neomos before he got picked up he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been in a place where he's like kill me or take me in right like no he wouldn't have done mm-hmm. that at that time he needed he would have he would have killed them if he had to, yeah to if he thought he would yeah if he thought he was threatened he would have killed them yeah yeah so yeah that's why this like is such a pivotal arc for him as a character and obviously so well done, but um, yeah. So Kino's fate is ambiguous, but apparently, oh. apparently he perishes because he can't swim, and that's the only way out. And he knew, I guess he knew, he knew he couldn't swim. He knew he was on like an island, yet he still like inspired everyone to revolt and get out. And there's only one know. way out. Do you think that he knew <clears throat> that whole time that he was changing his mind and then actively choosing to lead the escape? That the only way out was up and into the ocean. I, I mean, they they arrived like out of, 
a, a plane or a ship. They were probably hoping that there was like yeah, like yeah. Well, I think ship. once he realized like literally like it's most likely the only way out is jumping into the ocean, in which case I'm screwed. There is a small chance that well, some other solution will present itself. But like in the moment when he got there, he was like, okay, like all the other choices, there's not alternates. The only way out is over this cliff. Then that's where he. But I think like in his head he was like, this is a 99% chance I have to swim and die. There's a one percent chance or some other solution, but then when we got there, it's like a hundred percent chance that this is the only way out. Yeah, I, I think that jump and swim and die or become snow. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but I wanted it, there to be like, oh man, like, and it was so tragic how like yeah, Cassie mm-hmm. like gets and then he gets like bumped and knocked off. Like it was like not a Hollywood send off. It was like no, it's very realistic. Of like right, that's what I thought. Was, I think that was my favorite moment of the whole. He didn't really season. say goodbye. Yeah, got knocked off. The best part of the whole season was that moment where you find out he can't swim, and you don't even have time for it to hit you, and it's just exactly like it would be in the moment. And like you're with cats, you're like, "What?" And yeah, yeah, you feel bad for him, and then it's like, and like 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 he says with Melchi, like no matter what happens now, like we got out, like we made it. I think he said, like no matter what, we made it. Even if we died jumping off this thing right now. Another thing is just the which Nelchi obviously said Rogue was, so that's cool. That's how they met. I like how they met. It's it's it is a, another aspect of it that's like it isn't anything new. Like there's nothing really original per se about the whole arc. Like the relationship between the prisoners is all very we've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Like, but it was just so well done for a prison. Like, yeah. like I felt really like for three, in three episodes, they made me really feel like I spent time in the prison. Like I felt the camaraderie and like the, you know, like everything about that. Um, it's worth mentioning too that the tipping point was that they learned that like there was literally no way out. Like they weren't, the, 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 the promise of, like, oh, I'm counting down my days until I'm out turned out to be a false promise that the Empire was now recirculating people into different prisons and accidentally recycled somebody back into a different floor of this one. And then they had to fry the whole floor, and that's what the power flicker was in the last episode. So, like, mm-hmm. that turned Kino to that awesome, like, he kept, I mean, Kassin kept asking, like, how many guards are on each floor, and, like, he's trying to gather intel to, like, understand the situation. And then, yeah, he's just, like, never more than 12. And that's how they do it. Yes, he's on board. Like, here we go. Mm-hmm. I, I like, loved, I loved how... Like, we're in this now. I loved how they made us experience, like... Yeah. Like, if you were in that prison, <laughs> and you've been hearing Kino all the time saying, okay, you know, one shift at a time, you know, mm-hmm. and, all this, and, then one day, and then all of a sudden, like, one day you find out you're never going home. Never, you're never leaving. You're going to die here. Or somewhere else, like, and like take you to the what would place. you? How would you react? Yeah. Why would you keep going? Yeah, jump, that jump on the floor at night. <laughs> yeah, I showed that. That was yeah. Showed, that was dark. That was dark. That's the darkest thing I've probably seen on Disney. Like, like he just like offed himself. Yep. And then like, oh, now I gotta smell that all night. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they were, yeah, they were like. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I loved. I loved the scene. Like <laughs> how there's all this complexity, right? All this, like. Like, you just feel like they've got the noose around these prisoners 24-7. And then that scene where Cassian's just yelling out, like, nobody's listening. Like, and, like, he's trying, he's proving it, right? He's right. like, yeah. I can shout this. Like, like don't you understand? Like, yeah. 
it's an illusion. This control yeah. is an illusion, and we need to break out of our view of what's going on. Which is so absolutely George Lucas and, like, the philosophy of Star Wars, right? Because, like, there's that famous, like, George Lucas is, like, the only, like, the only prison is the prison of your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if you can break out of your prison of your mind, you can do anything, right? And that's where THX-103 comes in, like, it's, it's like, that, this whole arc, at least the prison pieces, are, like, it's like a love letter to George Lucas. But it's funny because, yeah, like, that just the prison arc itself is barely Star Wars. Like, that would work as its own, like, squid game kind of mm. genre. Or, like, oh, yeah. It does not mm -hmm. need to be Star Wars, like, uh, officer uniforms. Like, they could have done small tweaks to everything, and it would have just been a standalone, like, sci-fi horror or, like, dystopian horror, like, just some kind of different genre. But it, it obviously has Cassian Andor in it and Imperial, like, insignias and stuff. But it's, like not really connected to Star Wars in any way, but at the same time, it's essentially Star Wars because of that aspect of, like, you're trapped in this mind. I just, I just like that. I story. like that they used it, the way that it ties into Star Wars for me is just the whole way that, between prison thing and then, like, the way that they start to put a chokehold on Ferrix, like, that's cool, like world building, imperial world building. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, like really, you know, just in case we didn't already know that the empire is a genocidal, ruthless, technological terror machine. Like, we get that, but we get it. Like, like the scene, the scenes in the prison, and the scene, the torture scenes, right? All of those, which I'm not mistaken, those are in the prison art, correct? Yeah, but mm -hmm. I wanted to finish. I want to finish talking about the prison arc itself before pivoting to, to other, stuff. other stuff. But David, what are your thoughts on the prison pieces of the three art of the three episode arc? Um, the oh, thoughts overall or impressions of takeaways, likes, dislikes? Pretty much what you guys are saying, honestly. There's, it's it's taken a while for me to kind of wrap myself around this show, uh, just because it's it has such a different Star Wars feel. Mm -hmm. But I think that's also a good thing, because um, it shows us the kind of the dirt and grime of what the Empire has been doing behind the scenes, other than like the stuff we see in like the comics or the novels, um, and really seeing. God, it's kind of hard to say it without spoiling it. Looking at without <laughs> talking about uh, the other two ep last episodes, but just the way how the Empire became so big mass-produced with Star Destroyers, just the Imperial Might, <clears throat> which kind of hints at what they were doing. Um, but it also has another, I guess, cool aspect, because <clears throat> Aaron, you had mentioned like prison prison scenes in movies, you get the dirt and the grime, which kind of calls Rogue One with Genurso, right. which is where yeah. we, we first meet her, so. and seeing the, 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 the two comparisons, oh, you're just a rebel criminal, you're in Imperial prison, maybe a work camp or whatever. Right. But here, this is something that's a work camp, but you're forced to do it. You can't. You're never leaving. Because if you got out and told someone, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very well acted. It was great to see Andy Circus. I'm gonna call it and say he's. This is the the beginning of 
Snoke. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really hope you're wrong. <laughs> I hope I am too, but I'm just going to call it. I'm sure they could use his voice for other things in other um, projects. They can do whatever they want as Dude. long as Aquino has no connection to Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would not. That would be. That was such a pleasant surprise. surprise. Like I heard, I'm like, is that? Is that? Is Andy yeah. What? Yeah, that. <laughs> like, so yeah, it was. It was. It was really surprising. Like, the first surprise. surprise. Yeah. Did, did they ever? No, I don't reveal. No, they. No. They, 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 no. A secret. A secret. He was uh, never on a cast list. Right. You know? No. That, How did they do he that? He just showed up. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. He's, he's, he's such a good actor. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. He. He. I mean, like, I think what what. It's an interesting way that like things outside of the show like who Andy Circus is the fact that he shows up unexpectedly and the fact that you're like oh my god it's Snoke but not <laughs> and then he's so like he just like immediately like lands like he, he's immediately yeah. like his impact is immediate yeah and it's and it commands your attention the entire arc like and I just feel like that combination of just like it just made it work so well. Like, it just was a brilliant stroke of casting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just the perfect person to play that character in that way. Um, and it showed his range, too, how he went from, like, when you first meet him, he's, like, he's got doesn't have a soft edge to him at all. Mm-hmm. And he just slowly gets softer to mm-hmm. the point where he's helpless. He's that, like... The personality type that's like prickly, but then they have like, like if you dig a little bit, then there's like a soft underbelly. Like there's mm-hmm. a heart of gold there, but like they have a prickly exterior, right? Like a tough exterior, mm-hmm. like that kind of guy. Which a form, like a foreman of a factor like that would be. Yeah. Like, but like if you start, like you see, I like, can testify yeah, to that. Like, like, oh, you actually do like maybe you do care, right? Or you're like the sadistic guy who's like that pleasure other people shocking everyone. You have the two types of performance. But he's right? he's definitely <laughs> he's definitely like the way they show him at first. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no guarantee. Like, I didn't see right. when they when you first meet him, you don't think, oh, he's gonna. Like, this guy's gonna be a problem. Like, yeah, he's, yeah. He's like, the, he's, he's he's the antagonist. antagonist. Yeah. And that he he I thought that he would be more like, <clears throat> like almost like a, like a, like a like actually someone who's actually like Stockholm syndrome. Like he's actually oh yeah sympathetic to the and Imperials <laughs> and actually really would side with the Imperials and maybe even turn on his own yeah. inmates if they don't follow what he's trying to do but he doesn't he goes the other direction which is very cool i do have a question for you guys to kind of just throw this in a while i just popped in my head um <clears throat> listening to a couple people's opinions on like this arc and how it just like the slow character build throughout this whole show is kind of similar to kind of how they did it with mando season one where there was a lot of character building with not a whole lot really thrown in. So going into season two, now that like they have this character development set in stone, do you think we'll start getting more cameos like what they did with Mando season two? Do I think they will? Um, yeah. It's, I can see that happening. Yeah, I can see every season two having more. Mm-hmm. more. They've built a really solid platform, and now they can like play with that. And like yeah, you could have more stories interweaving, and you could have the whole rebels crew coming and going. Like we'll probably see a lot of action era, right? Yeah, that's um, kind of what I'm this show. 
in Andor yeah. probably if they're gonna get if they're gonna get to to, uh, to Yavin Four base somehow some way yeah they, like they, that, they like she's involved in that like mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a gap in history that they can explore because they don't and, have like years four through zero where they fleshed out yeah plus you have to remember that in Rebel season four they're on Yavin Four right. and then you have that um, talk with um, wow I. Sorry, it sounds like I have a sore throat, <clears throat> but okay, now it's better. Um, you have that uh, talk with uh, Saw Gerrera and Mom Mothma in Rebel Season 4, um, and like you kind of see how like their I- I- ideals like clash, yep. um, which I... And um, yeah, so... Like in Rebel Season 3... In Andor season two, we need to go from where we are right now to like that, that scene point. in World One where they're like fighting as a, as a council and they just like cannot agree and they like disband and then that's what Jin's like first doing this anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, from from you know, Mon Mothma barely like she's just starting to get into the world and like harden up and like okay, this is like what we gotta do, I gotta make sacrifices. To like having a council of people all around, like how do we get from there to there? That's what season two will be about. That's gonna be super cool and probably a more like fast paced development right like how do you get this giant rebellion together and right now it's just these little sparks kind of popping up everywhere and like obviously Luthan isn't around in Rogue One and mm-hmm. so I don't know like is he gonna go away or are they just gonna like keep him alive but off screen like how are they gonna I think that, like Ahsoka mm-hmm. I think that the right. fact that they didn't really actually kill off any of the main characters yeah. in this season spoilers doesn't leave, <laughs> oh, sorry it's, a, it's like an anti-spoiler again. it it doesn't leave a lot of room for other established characters to it can get i think the show could get too crowded mm-hmm. i do think that to answer your question david um i don't think there will be any if any if any there will be very few cameos but the frustrating thing about that for me is that this is this like it would absolutely make sense like yeah. we should absolutely see bail organa yeah in the next season probably will i, I, I don't know i don't will we if we don't it's almost like a reverse <laughs> like it's like reverse like it's like it's like well you yeah you didn't do any fan service but it would have made perfect yeah. sense for like the story suffered because you didn't put in these right that like, we wanted. yeah i think that you could benefit tremendously yeah. from having right palpatine yeah. visible right. vader yeah, visible like, Tarkin. Right, right off the, like he's like pumped like those forces are just there like you can tell they're like one layer away of the bureaucracy or whatever like or they're just like breathing down the neck of our characters even i mean like for us to go through an entire yeah. two seasons of this time period and not even hear Vader mention would yeah. kind of not make sense to me. Right. I was listening to, um, I think it was Theory and Josh and the Nerd Theory. Someone had mentioned, like, an idea or whatever, theory or whatever, that uh, Vader would be the reason Saw Gerrera is in such a life support system and in Rogue yeah. One. But I was almost thinking it'd be cool, like, if they don't show, like, Vader or palpatine they just mention it so his, his name is just dropped right. so like what they did with palpatine and so far in season one they haven't shown him but they dropped his name a couple yeah times. he's been added in the story and you right can now, and you can almost yeah. feel like that presence right. of the empire like he's it's got like, his attention on like although he got his attention and that has to be, he has to do something to like wipe the taste out of his mouth mm-hmm. right so that's where they do this like intel creator job to like 
right the wrong about Bonnie, right? So it's like Palpatine is an active player in, this, in the plot, but you don't see or hear from him. You're just hearing about him from people that are talking directly to him, right? It's mm-hmm. really smart. As much as I would love to yeah. see Vader in episode, <laughs> season two, just being just having like that mic drop when you can feel that presence, I think would be cool. I want to see Saw Gerrera like lose his leg, like crashing his, his X-wing or something, you know? That actually might play into David's thing, like with that could that could be it. Um, but a cool idea. Um, unfortunately, the breathing thing is actually mentioned in Rebels because of his uh, exposure on Geonosis during uh, a couple episodes. Oh, okay. He was there. The Empire uh, did like a big giant homicide on on the planet after the construction of the Death Star, mm-hmm. which is uh, okay. That would, mm. but yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, hit... Because they, like, the Russians will, like, attack Yep. Keeping quiet. Like, like, a house of the dragon. Then they killed all the workers that built this house. And then nobody knows. I think that that's what... That's what's... Yeah, that, I've already said that. Like, that's what, like, the sinister side of the Empire. Yeah. And I think that it would be effective to... I don't think we'll ever lay our eyes on Vader in the show, but he is the Emperor's enforcer, right? And like it like makes how sense. Long after the raid on um, was it Aldani? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like when um, Luthen's in the shop and the guy goes, "Did you hear the news?" Like he's got the newspaper. He's talking about the raid. Like it's almost like that. It's like, "Oh, did you hear the news? A rebel cell was just found and crushed." It's like, "Oh," and they start talking about it. It's like, "Oh yeah, uh, a." Lord Vader led the assault, or something right. like that. And she had like, like a name drop. Or like yeah. news. Like if he's not, I don't know if like Vader's like a public figure in the sense that people like is he like intentionally showing like propaganda film to, to the people. Of, like, I never got the impression that that was right? the case. So that'd be kind of interesting because they showed like the newscast on the show, right? And they right. kind of showed like that. And I wonder if yeah, they could go that way of like. I would love this. I wouldn't mind seeing a seeing some kind of scene where Vader's just. With no speaking lines, just like that scene where, like yeah. that scene where he walks into Leia's cell, and then the cell door closes right. behind him. <laughs> yeah, like something like that. Like maybe even like something like we're we're way off the course here. Yeah. Where Dedra, <laughs> maybe Dedra. You see this shot of Dedra who goes from being this super badass, super ambitious Imperial to like, mm-hmm. like you get a shot of her like. Looking, you know, from behind Vader, yeah. she's like just like in the uh, Fallen Order, <laughs> right? That would be that would be an effective way to use it. Like a... But I think that this show does have some decisions to make about how much to use yeah. legacy characters that are mm-hmm. clearly alive in this timeline and would be aware of events mm-hmm. that we're witnessing, like. It does feel like if they don't, it would be like they're too obviously avoiding it. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so to pivot then to Imperial, ISB, and Cyril kind of storylines in this in these three arcs, these three episodes. Obviously, it's like the B plot, Mm -hmm. um, along with like, and we can finish with like Luthen and Mon Mothma's plots, which are like the B minus and C plots, you could say, Um, and not in like. You know, it's like prioritization, not quality, of course. But so for like ISB and Cyril, um, the main thing is Dedra's like on the case and she's drilling down 
on Ferrix, she's narrowed it down. She has this idea of Axis, like this composite character that is turns out to be Luthen, but she doesn't know that. She just knows that like there's some kind of relay at there's relay as a relay on Ferrix, which is true, turns out. And Andrew used that and was contacted by this Axis person who it's not about the Starpath unit as much as it is like a connection to a bigger thing, and she convinces um, Pettergaz, Pettergaz, um, that she should get these resources to like do a full-on like grid or whatever they call it, like a, um, a dragnet or whatever, like a, uh, an investigation. Open up a file on Ferex and get like assets down there, so they like take over the hotel. They've got this like trigger-happy <laughs> officer guy who's like, I'd love to hang them, right? Like, <laughs> you know, and they end up like they catch uh, they catch the guy who <clears throat> runs that he runs the shop that has the antenna that Bix uses in the first episode to contact Luthen. But like they track down that illegal um, transmission which Bix made again to like try to track down. I guess she's talking to Luthen and Luthen kind of ignores the, the transmission, but because <clears throat> he's suspicious. But they capture Bix, obviously, and uh, there's some really crazy scenes with her <laughs> um notably the the audio torture which was just i, I thought that mm-hmm. so exquisite the <laughs> oh. way that they is it in this is it episode eight I where they just dis, where they dismiss the the cyril and his yeah guys? that's an eight yeah so like an eight cyril like has that job in the he like works the job in the cubicle farm and he's like spamming the isb like asking for these reports or whatever right but i'm saying like that's that is the episode where we see him dismissed and go to his mom's is in episode eight. No, right. no, he's already done that. That's like four or five. Oh, oh that's right. In that's eight, right. he's working the job, and then he gets brought into ISP, and him and Dedra meet the first time. He has that interrogation he, that really gets him And going. he kind of gets, but he gets hurt. Yeah, he gets all riled up. And he he's gets, like, oh, baby. He gets her. Like, asking more questions. Oh, she gets him, like, yeah. she gets, yeah. She gets him the, like, report, the official report, which he wasn't even allowed to read. He just had to sign it. And so, like, he he's trying to help her, like, point out, like, all the things that are wrong with the official report and this and that. And I think she, like, yeah, she can't, like, publicly or officially acknowledge his assistance, but, like, it does help her. And so, like, yeah, this is such a weird, a weird relationship. Like, he's simping hard for her. But he's, like, attracted, like, what is it? He's, like, I love, um, it's, like, it's not, like, I love you. It's, like, I love, I love what you uh, we I want the same. We want thing. the same thing, or like instead of I, I want you, it's it. like I want the same. We want the same things. I can feel it. And it's like it, it's he's so such deranged. a weird. Of his <laughs> like I love it because like you're thinking to yourself, is he talking about sex or is he talking about Andor. catching bad guys? Yeah, I think he's, <laughs> he's, like, yeah. he's talking about catching bad guys. Like, but there's this weird way that you're thinking. He might be having a boner right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but she's not. She's like, well, I think not. She's he's, I think she's like a little like, I'm getting hot on the collar. I don't know why. Like all of a sudden. I so, think there's a little bit of like, you know what I mean? Like she wasn't expecting it, but like, oh, now she's got a lady boner. Like, like, I think, I think what, I, what, I, what I appreciated about that is that it's a really clear example of like, you know, it's like you, you you always end up marrying your parents. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like, he goes for one like crazy. He goes, he goes, he get, he, he yeah. falls head over heels for this woman who is like mm-hmm. completely, mm-hmm. you know, like over him, like, and is 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 his superior in many right. ways, and he's just drawn to her in a very strange way. Yeah, and it's very it 
jibes with his experiences with his mom. Yeah. And how he, he's like, he's like tearing him down at the breakfast table. And then he's like, I've been grown up. And she's like, I never doubted you. And it's like, whoa, lady. Like, she's, you know what I mean? Like that, that was just so out of left field. Like that whole, the whole like cereal, eating cereal with his mom. Like all of that stuff was so like unexpected for a show. Of it was, time. it was probably like, the one to flesh him out. Like, but it's like, she's like, it's like, there's no wonder he's like the way he is based on all that. Right. You now I totally understand. Where he's I can from. totally understand <laughs> though. That is the one character and sequence that I do that where I do understand why some people are like this just doesn't feel like Star Wars at all. Like it's just so too too realistic. I mean yeah. it's it's so like weird. That makes that uh, I don't like saying so so good. <laughs> it, it, it really does. It's very good kind of reminding me of that. Like, have you ever seen the movie Requiem for a Dream? Uh, so long this, time ago. You've seen that movie? Yeah, it, it was it was uh, one that I probably shouldn't have seen when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, I saw it a long time ago. That would be disturbing. Yeah, it was, it, but uh, I was mainly interested because like, I heard the soundtrack. Yes, and very good music. The soundtrack. So, so I was like, okay, I'm curious. And so you should have just bought the soundtrack. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's, that's what I'm... Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the um, scenes. Yeah, it was. The it was scenes like that. in in Andor remind me so much of the scenes between the main character's mom in Requiem for a Dream. Like in Requiem for a Dream, there's like this mom that she's basically homebound. She's addicted to prescription drugs, and she's at home all the time. And she's got this weird relationship with her son, um, and it just reminded me of those scenes, and it. And that kind of did take me out of, like, it was just a little bit, like, it wasn't, it didn't take me out of Star Wars, like, some of the stuff in, like, Rise of Skywalker, or Last Jedi, like, the, some of the humor in Last mm -hmm. Jedi, where it was, like, that's just Yo mama jokes. What? Like, the Yo mama jokes. Or, 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 like, the, yeah, I'll hold. Yeah, yeah. Or the, or the, the or the, call. or the, <laughs> the iron, iron coming yeah. down, like, <laughs> just like, what? <laughs> But it did have a little bit of a like, like this just seems like something really weird even for like a normal show. Like versus like the Luke, the Luke and Owen Lars Homestead like breakfast scene. Totally relatable. Is, like totally not. It's it's just as domestic, but like not weird psychology going on. It's, yeah, like, really yeah. Just exposition. Of, and the 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 yeah. just the way that his mom looks and talks <laughs> and acts is just so jarring. Yeah. Like, she just is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this woman? From the moment you meet her, she slaps him and then hugs him. Right. Like, but that's she's all you clearly need to know. screwed that's up. That's all you need to know about their relationship. Like, yeah. Without, before she even says anything, you're like, okay, like, I know what you're about. Like, this is weird, right? Like, she's, she's like, doing she's that like the, the whole rest of the show. She's yeah. like, she wants to come up and just pinch his cheeks, but she's also fed up with him. Right. And she's like, she tries to play the good parent, bad parent at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, so weird. So he tried, like, he, he's kind of stalking her and he, he like corners her while she's coming in by ISB and kind of like confronts her and in a way confesses his love for her work, I guess. Right? Yeah. Like, that's just such a weird, such a weird, it's so which awkward. is I guess what we're so it's supposed, yeah, it's supposed to be, to be so super works. awkward. And she's like, so she's like, I could have you like put in a cage, or whatever. But like, if I'm like if I'm surrounded, like, well, but you didn't. So I think I'm on something. You know, like, like, you know, like she's all talk and no action with him because, like, she's a little flustered. Like I'm saying, I think there's something. 
I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, obviously uh, the whole you see like uh, the culmination of that yeah. a little bit more. It's gonna be like this weird like, like he's got like the white fetish mic. scene coming up where he's like, oh, please oh, leave, leave, leave your boots on, <laughs> like step on my hand. is that he's like the inverse dark take on like the Luke Skywalker trope of like the farm boy is plucked out of oblivion and like has and like has this idea to like storm the castle and rescue the princess from the dragon. And like he's living out his hero's journey in this show as like, oh I like I stepped in and I like I jumped in front of her when the grenade was getting thrown and like I saved her from like getting ripped apart by the mob and listen to like like he's living out his like hero fantasy right. with her. But it's right. like huh. it's weird. Like it's like not you're not rooting for him in any way. You're only yeah, you're not her sim- more, I don't right? feel sympathy. Right. I just feel like I'm really glad I'm not you or your mom. So the um I think the Empire was shown again, they were shown to be really competent leading up to this point, but they they take it up a notch here of like they're competent in a sinister way. Like they're very effective at quickly rooting out like the nexus of the communication. Like they they, they get the right guy, right? Like this guy's shop. He was the person who ran the illegal you know, like a transmission thing, and then they that led them to Bix, and they got Bix, and then they're interrogating her. Like they're competent, and like you know, like the opening scene I think of the nine where Dedra is interrogating Bix, and then that turns into the audio torture. Mm-hmm. Like that was all very effective, and like Dedra's actually ominous and actually like very competent, and like you know, she even before that, like in the episode before, where she like she leaves the guy in the room who, like, they had just tortured, and they're gonna bring Vix in, right. and then she's, like, but she, so she, like, sets it up, and then Vix comes in, and she's, like, hey, what are you doing? You shouldn't have got him out. Like, she's, like, playing this mind game, so, like, Vix, like, accidentally sees oh, the torture, oops. right? You like, just saw this right, guy. Right, but it's all yeah. planned, so it's, like, yeah. that's just, like, man, you don't, but, yeah, with the Vix, like, the Vix headphone scene, like, <laughs> they do that sweet cutaway that, like, mirrors the new hope when, like, when mm-hmm. getting tortured, like, when they, like, close so the, the door, door and the boots you know, on the ground. Yeah, boots going down, like, that was real good, but, like, yeah, just like that. I thought that creepy guy like talking about it. Oh, like, Doctor Gorse yeah, is his name. Dr. Yep. That guy. That was such a like. As a cousin, the way as a the way that he mm-hmm. like he's like relishing it. So, but like he's he's it's like he's he could be describing any benign right scientific like, discovery. Like he was like an eye doctor. Oh, we found a new way to make your car run more efficiently. Like, like, like he sounds like he's he describing talks like a dentist. Like, oh, we're just gonna you know drill out your. He's like a yeah. kid who did that. Cutting up with a frog in class and enjoying it too much. <laughs> well, it's like, but he's like, he's, he doesn't show a hint. Yeah, of humanity. Well, he, he, well, even, even like, worse, like, <laughs> I feel like he thinks he's just a normal guy. He's yeah. like, oh, we, well, we simply, this is what we did. We simply recorded everybody dying and then we isolated this one sound. It's really quite horrifying. It was what? Like, it's so matter of fact, like, that you, you, there's no hint that he's even yeah. aware. That's really of shows the, of the, the like shows like the anti-alien or the xenophobia of the empire like two yeah. of those alien children are not even worth they're just bugs like insects mm-hmm. like they're not even worth a, there's no value of any sentient species other than humans in this universe for the empire but he but he absolutely yeah. like he comes across as like someone who in his mind is so completely convinced of the cause that he's a part of mm-hmm. that he doesn't have a like there's not there's no evidence that he has like any like even remotely like any awareness of like how sinister and evil what he's describing is 
Yeah. Like, there's none of it. It's not there at all. Like, it literally sounds like he's just describing the discovery of, like, the diesel engine. Like, it's just... Very, it's just academic to him. Yeah, like, and he's, and he's... Talking about his day at work. He, yeah. he has no, like, yeah, and I that think was that good. was... There was a someone I was watching somebody's video and they were talking about I don't remember which Nazi guy it was that was on yeah. trial. Yeah. And he like they just were everybody was just so shocked by how normal he seemed. Yeah. And like that it was, it was like, like one of the Nazi doctors. Like he like he clearly like like he, he was just a person like who was like did some of the most evil things to other human beings you could possibly do. Mm. But in the courtroom, he came across completely normal. I think that might have been Dr. Asperger. Who? The guy that Asperger's is named after? Correct. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but, like, I love that they showed that, like, in a way that was so, like, when it con- and it contrasted with, like, Bix and the other people on Ferrix who we care about so much. And, like, mm-hmm. I just think that this this arc between the prison, the interrogations, um, and then to some degree, like the cracking down um, that's really putting Mon Mothma in a, yeah. a chokehold is showing like how the empire is like, well, we're not talking about episodes 11 and 12, but, <laughs> but the, the, it's, it allows us to feel it's and it's really setting up from the last two episodes. It's like it's like there's this hopeless feeling that the empire is just so powerful and so ruthless and so cruel and so in control, and yet their methods are their own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. Like the worse you are and the more you try to terrorize and control and all the 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 the, the more inevitable your failure is. Which we see Leia in the prison. Says, and Leia says, the, thinking, more, yes. the more tightly you control, the more systems will slip through your fingers. Right. Like she has mm-hmm. taken that lesson. That's, that's just brilliant. Like, they can take little like, like that from the original trilogy and make back plots that make that make more sense. And the, and the lines that. from Nemec's journal. I'm just, yeah, like, exactly. Like, like the that. authority yeah. is so brittle. Like, right. Because and at the same time... Power doesn't panic, right, is the other line right. from the prison. Yes. Right? Like, so, like... And obviously, we're not talking about 11 and 12, but that all gets played out in 11 and 12. Yeah. We, and Dedra's character is kind of like the stand-in for that, right? right. She goes from... Well, she's freaking out. Yeah. yeah. Yes. She she goes through Cyril's arc of, like, he comes in all blustery in his episode three, and then he's, by the end, like, a third. Like, that is so well leaf, done. Right? And she now is in his place. Yeah. So, yeah, we mentioned my mouth last year. My mouth and Luther kind of rounding this out. Um, so like Mon Mothma, yeah, the walls are closing in on her, and she's, she, her performance is more understated and more like subtle and kind of like psychological, and she's having to like do this like acting mask thing this whole time. But her problem is like this missing money, right? There's like the money she's been using to fund the rebellion, or like she's trying to like embezzle or embezzle. She's trying to uh, wander, I guess, the Albani money in and through her like money channels. And like there's a bunch of money missing and the government's like cracking down and like inspecting the books or whatever mm-hmm. and so she's like forced to like look at this like loan shark guy um and his price is a, a ostensibly just an introduction of his son with her daughter hey, which is really like a children uh, child marriage yep but what's tragic about it is that yeah like the daughter her form of rebellion against her mother is to like embrace the old traditional ways <laughs> right because her mom's like more progressive right um, it seems like maybe her dad's a little more like old school, like 
traditional because he wears like the, the kimono like he she's like a fusion of like coruscant and Chandrilla, like dress but like her husband's like full-on gender all the time he's kind of an old he's not a bad guy but he's not like like it's not a good marriage and he's not a villain he's just kind of an oaf and no, and she completely throws him under the bus later, but <laughs> I think I think he's I think he's a he's poking her like he's yeah, trying to hurt her. I, do I, dicks, I think like, he's I he's know. he's very passive aggressive. Yeah, like the way he sets up the dinner party with all yeah. these people that she that he knows that she hates. Right. The way that he doesn't like he actively encourages the daughter to disrespect her. Like he's a dick. But I think all of that is to serve. The point, the culmination of all of that is this the idea of a Chandrill in marriage, which we find out she's in with him, that she's been set up with him since she was a teenager. Like they're not fully formed people, but they're forced to spend their lives together. And like her daughter's going down the same path, and she has to like decide whether she's gonna like let that happen. Like Cassian, we we know so much of him already mm-hmm. from Rogue One, yeah. from some of the little but novels. She's like slate more. She's, but she's such an, like, I just love what they're doing. Like, that is one of my favorite parts of this whole show. Yeah. Is how they're showing her. Like, I, I find her progression, she is the beginning of the show, to who she is in the Rebellion, more interesting than Cassian's uh-huh. journey to that. And it's, it's nice, too, because sh- it shows two sides of the coin. Ruthen's point of view, and then hers. Yeah. Because she's, she's, she's starting to feel like the sacrifices that need to be made, and she's always coming around to like his point of view of like certain things like you can't you can't play this game clean. Yeah, like, but she's you, still hold. But there's still but there's yeah there's a virtue streak she's, she's in her still. Like Luthen and Luthen is just like yeah, fully gone to the. He'll be like dark. the sacrificial lamb, or he'll be like the the dark horse for mm-hmm. the sake of the like you. He'll be like I'll be Batman, like I'll be the villain, right? If that's what Gotham needs. It's almost, you could almost say that, like, it could be that that is, like, what you're seeing with Mon Mothma is what Luthen went through. But, yeah. But he's just completely on the other side of it. Right. So that's why I'll be so interested to see, like, yeah, Luthen and Mon Mothma, like, reconnect in season two, like, re-intersect, because they only last interacted in the store a couple episodes ago. Right? See, that's what I, I, mean, I think. But he kept her in the dark about Albani. Like, so, like, yeah. they weren't really seeing eye to eye. That's kind of Luthen's thing. I think I, I find the storylines with, like, Saw, Luthen, Mon Mothma, mm-hmm. the spies. Like, I find that more interesting than Cass, Cassian's, <laughs> Cassian's storyline, even right. though that's the center right. of the show. Exactly. I actually find yeah. that stuff more interesting <laughs> because it's such an interesting. It's spycraft stuff. Like. And it's, it's like, it's. It's it's building on what they did in Rogue One, which is to start giving the rebellion a more complex face. Mm-hmm. Like in, in A New Hope, the rebellion is just sim- oversimplified. Yeah. Like it's just the plucky, good guys. Plucky band of rebels. It's just the good guys. So yeah, Luthen pays a visit to Saw, um, which is cool to see, and he's trying to recruit him for this Anto Krieger job. Um, and they have like a discussion. Like I think the line that jumped on me was like, why? Like, why do you keep fighting people that agree with you or something like that? <laughs> like, Luthen's trying to, like, get Saw, like, channel. Like, he's just this, like, raging bowl of energy. And he's like, but then Saw has, like, the great point. He lists off all these, like, factions that don't know anything about. And he's like, they're all lost. All of them, like, he's either so set in his own ways or he's like, there's no way, like, I, Luthen, you're trying to bring us all together. Doesn't no play well with others. others. Yeah. <laughs> like, he yeah. doesn't play well no. with others. So, like, yeah, it's like hurting cats, but, like, 
Yeah, like that just gives so much nuance because that's how that's truly realistic. Like if you really have like a rebel movement against like a unified empire as it were, like it is these independent thinker types, like these like doesn't play well to others types who like are their own warlords. And it's like how in the world like it's a miracle that we have a country, right? Because all these guys were like kinda like that and like they decided to band together and fight the empire of the British Empire. But like there was a bunch of egos in that room, you know, they <laughs> mm-hmm. decided to declare of independence and like Kind of miraculous that it happened like see in ukraine too like right now like there's all these bands of people like fighting against russia right and like amazing that's holding together you know i, I think it I, what, I, what i really like i like the like some of the best dialogue and some of the best like <clears throat> thought-provoking things are the things that are the mon mothma luthan conversations the yep. mon mothma and her husband or the mon mothma and her childhood friend the banker guy or yeah. whatever like Ma- saw and and luthan luthan mon mothma all the luthan and those Lonnie. are all <laughs> so interesting just like mm-hmm. all the different perspectives on you know and it really does make you wonder like how on earth does this become unified yeah like so like yeah, at the end of 10 you get that cool scene of like so like after the climax of the escape from the prison cuts back to like Lonnie working his way through the underground of course and you're like what what is it like that's not the guy from the ISB and then you're like wait a minute and then because like earlier in the episode they had set up like our you know like our contact he he wants to meet or like he he has the signal and then this is like well there goes my day and then like it took it took until he got in the elevator I was like oh my gosh is like is Lonnie the guy they were talking about is and then he puts the earpiece and then it's Luthen's voice and everybody's like, what, what, what? And then we finally like realized, oh my gosh, look at Lonnie. Lonnie is the guy on the inside, right? And he's like feeding him intel. And then, yeah, they have that awesome conversation. I'm like, the spy. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the opposite of that. It's like that was unearned and completely out of nowhere. And this is like, they've built up to it and hinted at it. And like, I kind of had an inkling before this. Like I was like, oh, that guy's a little, like, I didn't catch they, it they at linger, all. Because they linger a long time on him <clears throat> in episodes prior. Like longer than other people in the room for how much they speak or don't speak. Like we kind of linger on this guy too long because <clears throat> they want you to like remember him, I guess. And yeah, so like this whole conversation over the earpiece, where like it's like one huge long take while he's going down the elevator, which just you're like, man, how deep is he going? Like it's just like two minutes straight of going down this huge elevator, and then like at the very bottom of course on remember. Then Luthen's there, standing there, like Vader, right, with a cape on like a gangway with no rails, of course. <laughs> like, and like he gives like this like Dark Knight speech, right? He's literally like Bruce Wayne, Batman in Star Wars, like he's this like rich eccentric, mm-hmm. like like I'll work in the night, I'll work in the shadows, I'll use the tool of my enemies, and he like he's this, got this like nihilistic outview. He's both nihilistic for himself, like he's like I'm I've given up my own. I've given up everything. Like I've buried right? my life to right. create a sunrise. But he's like, I got you in place, and like you're too valuable, and the universe needs heroes. The galaxy needs heroes, like you, Lenny. And that's how he sends them off. Like he sends them out on a positive note of like a pep talk. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> that was that's the one of the best monologues in the whole show. And it also shows a good the good difference between Luthen and um, Iron Mahma. Yeah, where he's like, <clears throat> like fifty some men. You're worth more than fifty right. men. Mm-hmm. And that he's he's willing to sacrifice right. fifty plus people, my mama probably wouldn't. Well, yeah, until, she ultimately does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that yeah, in that moment, my mama isn't there yet. But Luthen, he's been playing that game of like, 
you know, and then he does the whole mind. I don't. Is that the next episode where he goes back to Saw? Like it is, yeah. So like he does the whole like mind trick <laughs> almost on Saw. Like and you start to see like Saw is like a, like paranoia. Like oh, okay, I can see like this guy's a little unhinged, right? <laughs> He's. I think that's one of the things they do really well with Saw is that they yeah. give him. You see just enough of the guy from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely not that guy yet. Not yet. But I thought it was pretty. Or got it. Is it is it in the eight and eight through ten where Luke and no that's I forgot what episode this is where he plants the seed in his head that two tubes is one of the spots. Oh, that's, that, that, that's next. Okay, never mind. It's like yeah, as like almost like a joke to him. But he but but crazy dude. But you can see from Saw's reaction that he's already on the tipping point of just like paranoia. Like being an insane person, but so yep. Uh, so that yeah, that kind of covers episodes eight through ten mm-hmm. from the prison side of things, from the imperial side of things, and from the Luthen and Mon Mothma side of things. And obviously, we've seen eleven and twelve and kind of referenced it here and there. So hopefully, if you haven't watched it yet, we didn't spoil anything too much. Just little hints, but please do finish. <laughs> obviously, finish the show and tell all your friends about it. Um, did you want to like cover just like general likes and dislikes and yeah, ratings? So like, yeah, that's the, uh, the plot, I guess, as it were. But our takeaways, thoughts, likes, dislikes. Do like a lightning round or whatever of that. Lightning round. Go. No, baby. <laughs> Next. <coughs> Keeping it only to 8 to 10, of course. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. Um, I actually really liked this arc. Um... As you guys have probably listened, and I've uh, made it perfectly clear on Twitter a couple times, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the first two arcs um, until their uh, until their uh, final episodes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this kind of does tip into that same pattern a bit, but at the same time, it does a lot of things better. Um, I got actually got invested into the characters in the prison, whereas I was like had very little investment in the characters on Eldani mm-hmm. or or Ferrix until later on, um, which I feel like they wrapped that up pretty well. But that's like a that's for the next episode. Um, Andy Circus, obviously a sto- a show stealer. Um, like he eats up every scene. Loved it. And, like, the scene where he says, I can't swim, you actually feel the weight of that. And yeah. and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which I, I feel like I haven't felt that in Star Wars as of yet. Um, like, in that... Maybe I... Uh, I was going to say Han Solo from Force Awakens, but I, the uh, back of my head I was like, yeah... Uh, Harrison just wanted out. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, this is, like, one of the first, uh, I, I don't want to say death, because it's kind of unclear. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you s- kind of feel, it, it, it had that heavy throat feeling. Yeah. From that. And it just happened so quick, too. Um, the... Um, stuff on Ferrix, still a little bit slow, um, but again, it does add up later on, so, um, I probably would have, uh, like, put more negative points in my head for that, but again, like, back then, but now I can't really say that, so, 
but uh, and then uh, the best one of the best scenes I think in Andor is the speech that Luthen gives about what he has to sacrifice and how far he has gone on the behalf of the rebellion to the point to where like he says like there there won't be an audience or a mirror to acknowledge his accomplishments and he knows that it, like he'll be like an unsung uh, right. hero without any glory right. because of what he's doing and yeah that just resonated with me so much and it just kind of yeah, that this is kind of like the stuff in Star Wars that I'd like to see, like where it's like, like it kind of just shows how far a character is gonna go, and just yeah, I I just loved that scene. Um, so if I could rate the arc, just the arc, um, I'd say a very good solid eight point seven out of ten. Love loved it. Um, definitely might just watch that art. Watch that art. You just went tonight. So, wait, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I thought this was a great arc. I thought that the, they did a really good job of making the focus point for prison arc, the prison storyline itself, with appropriate detours back into the other storylines that like I mentioned I think do I think they did a really good job of paralleling like in this arc I feel like the, the, the empire is we're seeing the empire as much more like menacing you know like like when you're watching the prison arc you, you when, the, when you're watching the prison you're like like the, it's it's nerve-wracking like watching them like just get their feet off the floor before the lights come on or like yeah. or like like when they're standing at the edge of their cell talking you're like dude don't fall like <laughs> like i just think and then the the torture scenes the way that they you can just feel the empire closing their grip on ferrix which i thought was a really cool way to suddenly see stormtroopers on the streets mm. i think that's it's a really cool way of showing what imperial domination looks like on a very small scale like in a local way instead of just like Mm -hmm. the Death Star showing up over the horizon of a planet, right? And it's like, which is the culmination of that, but yeah. right. But it's but, like it's, but, it's, but yeah. it's more. It's more. It's kind of like. Um, it's like it's like. <laughs> this is a weird comparison, but it's kind of like. Um, it's scarier to watch someone being terrorized in their house by another human being than like someone running for their life from Godzilla in a big city scene, like, <laughs> like. Running away from Godzilla in a big city scene is just kind of like exciting, right. but I'm not really scared. But if you're in your house, you know, and it's like there's something. Or like a war movie where like if you're off fighting an anxiety battlefield versus like if it's like urban warfare in your town, like like North Korea invades your city and you have to like like Red Dawn, right? <laughs> like Red Dawn is scarier it's, than like it's if just, you had a war movie where they were over there fighting, right? It's it feels so, very much like. Like, I like that they started the show with no Imperial presence on Ferris. Right. And then the Imperials show up. For a justified reason. And they, and they, but they clearly, like, they don't, they don't, like, it's a, it's a textbook example of, like, a, you know, a, a an occupation. Right. That nobody wants. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way the Imperials talk and act 
and they're so arrogant and so aloof and so like mm-hmm. we're here we're in control and the story mm-hmm. and by the end of the season we get something very different but like i just think that this arc did a really good job of and i feel like going to some of what you said justin like I feel like that this arc felt more like Star Wars than the first two. It was very hopeful and very inspiring and very like, yeah, we can take on the Empire. You know, like there's that there's that energy behind it by yeah. the end, even though we have that. But it's also like like one of the things I think that works really well about Kino's, the sadness of Kino's scene, right, is that it's like, it's like, Fucking empire, man! I killed Kino, like you know, like ah, like Kino. Like, oh, like, like there's casualties. Yeah, like yeah, like there's people like that you care about that, you know. Um, so I just I thought that this arc was very good. Um, I think we've said everything. You guys have said pretty much everything that I think was was good about it. Andy Circus absolutely was the perfect, you know actor and character to carry this arc mm-hmm. um and i thought that the payoff episode the episode of the escape was so well done like just on a, on a craft level just like the way that it starts the build-up and then the actual yeah I like that they break had, out of the attempt. They had something of a plan which we weren't privy to but then you could also tell that it was a provocation so like the tension of that you know what I mean? Like, like, I like when there's like a heist movie and we don't get the full plan of the heist. Like, Ocean's Love, and like, you know, they're making a plan, but you don't kind of see it pulled off until you see it all come together. Right. It's exciting to like watch it unfold. So, and there was a. You could tell like there was improvisation too. With right. The there were, there, was, there were moments when you were like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Like, yeah. Even though you know it is. Yeah. Like, the plan was as far as like, let's jam the thing into the thing and then climb up. And then get guns and then get out. Like that's as far as we probably got. Right? And I think it was a pro- it was an appropriate amount of like because it created enough uncertainty about whether it would work at all or not, yeah. even though we knew it would, yeah. or at least we knew that Cassie would make it. They could have gone full blown. The other only two that made it out. <laughs> could have gone full blown like dark story and had like half the prisoners get killed during the escape, which would have like been it. intense. <laughs> at least um, in their room. <clears throat> But yeah, I would say I would say that that was that was, was yeah I'd say I'd, I'd give it an I'd say I'd, it's a solid nine out of ten. Um, I do think that the reason that I don't go higher than a nine is the fact that it does still it it it's worth noting that. I think somebody said this, but it's almost like you could almost forget you're watching Star Wars. Yeah, that was the, uh, me prison, and Jacob. In yeah, the prison was, specifically. Yeah. Like, and I do think that that, I don't know if it's a criticism, but I do think that sometimes I do feel like maybe the show is even trying too hard mm-hmm. not to be Star Wars. And you know, all I would have needed to do to fix that is have a few aliens in the mix. Yeah, but like I don't know if they probably explained it away because they asked for like your home planet, which probably dictates like your like habitation and like your food and stuff and like the biological needs of your species. But they probably could have had like, okay, well, Duroses and humans are close enough that they can like share living quarters like that. Like if you had a few different aliens in the group, then you'd be like, okay, like. Well, then again, in the prison. Yeah, the, but then again, they do. Um, 
like the segregation kind of does make sense. Yeah, that's what I'm Because uh, yeah. they, they send the Wookiees to Kessel. Right. And, uh, so, like, like it does. Right. Like, so, right. Yeah. It's like yeah. a whole line. It's uh-huh. like very homogenous and just humans, but like. So, yeah, but like it would help to, like, yeah, have like a few hints of Star Wars and like aliens or stormtroopers or some other recognizable thing in prison other than. The prison think, itself being the imperial symbol, more or less, right? <laughs> I think that I think that it is a fine line between, because then you start you start wed, you start edging into Ryan Johnson territory where it's like your Snoke theory sucks, like where it's like 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 kind of like a middle finger to fandom, and I don't know that right. I don't feel that from this show like I did with Last Jedi to some degree, but um, I do think that. Sometimes you can go like it's Star Wars is just a little different from everything else. You can't you, you gotta pay you gotta respect the brand. You gotta respect the the you know and, and I'm not saying that this show doesn't. No. But one of the few that does. But it it gets close sometimes, I think and I think just from some of the things I've heard Tony Gilroy say, it's almost like like he set out to make a non Star Wars Star Wars show. And I don't know that that's necessarily necessary like he had apparently he had nothing to do with like all the easter eggs in Lupin's shop like he's like i don't know that crap right he's just like like yeah just but that's how you do easter eggs right he's just you have like nerds put stuff in the background that like wasn't it's not part of it it's just like people will see it who know and be like well that's that that's that that's that and then like people who don't know that are just be like this is an antique shop or artifact right. shop and like doesn't take away anything from the things and like whatever it's but, not like, it's well, not everyone a, can like label yeah. everything in there if you want to right but, and it fit with the story because yeah. the shop is yes. So it works for everyone in that way. Like it's not distracting for people who aren't fans, and it's not. Um, but it's fun for those who like can pick out what, it's, what everything in the yeah. background is. It's fun for them, but it doesn't take away or add to the story. It's just like a little Easter egg, right? Right. Um, it's yeah. subtle. And that Gilroy didn't be like, let's make sure we have a Gungan shield in the background. It's like these are gonna yeah. trust like eight hey, set designers. Like you guys can have fun with that. I don't care. Like I'm telling the story, you know. <laughs> I, I would say that yeah, nine out of ten, great storytelling, great acting, great writing. Everything's really. The, this arc is one of the you know it's where the show really shines. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I yeah I agree. I think, I think I noticed early on that this show was following like these waves of arcs, right? Like each each peak of each arc culminated higher than the last one, and so they're kind of four arcs. With the last two episodes being the final arc, and then obviously at the biggest, you know, apex point. But I really, yeah, I just really enjoyed this. I, like I said, I like that it was kind of a, a homage to George Lucas with THX 1138, like the white prison and like the prison of the mind and all that. And just the prison break kind of the genre is fun. Um, and then, yeah, just to see like the Empire kind of closing in on everybody, the presence of the Empire closing in personally on Mon Mothma, closing in on Ferrix, and like rooting out, like. Like Andor's in danger, not just in the prison, but like he's in danger. Like if he gets out, he's gonna be in danger because they're closing in on him as him or Axis, right? And his connection to Axis, and then that's even more culminated in the last two episodes where it's like all roads converge on Ferris, right? Um, but yeah, so like as far as rating this, you know, I think I said like no episode for me in any of these twelve was below nine point five. <laughs> so like it's it's all like shades of A to A plus for me honestly. Um, and I don't think of them in discrete episodes. Like I think of them in these arcs, like I almost on a rewatch, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll skip the previously on and I'll skip the credits and go right into the next one to watch each arc as like a unified 
film or short film or whatever. Because um, I think that is how it's meant to be told. I think, you know, it, it'll work best that way on a rewatch. And I think it'll age well. I think the show will age well. Um, it has, like, a lot of longevity to it. Um, I like that it's only going to be two seasons because that's, like, a unified product. But it's, you know, 20, 24 hours of Star Wars, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, two seasons of the show is a lot of Star Wars for live action, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see uh, us doing a uh, full day. I guess, like, yeah, in the future, we won't be doing a full day Star Wars <laughs> marathon like we would. Yeah, if, just uh, if, if we're uh, adding Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. One watching party, that'd take, like, two days or two and a half days, so. Yeah, that'd take like 27 hours of straight watching or something. Oh my gosh. David? Well, I'm going to have to. My opinions are kind of close to what Justin's are. Um, Rating's high, but it's more because it's how well done it is, not necessarily because of how it feels as a Star Wars show. Um, But. Yeah, as, as a complete arc, I mean, you can't complain with the acting, the scenarios they put together, the setting, Andy Circus. It's just so well done. But I do think that at some points it does try a little too hard to be Star Wars. Um, or to not be Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's been a difficult one to kind of grasp as a Star Wars show. Yeah. Um, at least. Until you get to the last few few episodes, um, but yeah, other than that, no, very well done. Um, I just wish that they would <coughs> put this much care into Kenobi instead of this one. That's just my only. Uh, I mean, I love Kenobi. I could talk all day about Vader. You guys already know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd say an eight, rate out of ten for this arc. All right. Well, that should wrap it up. We probably went quite long on this one, but it is three episodes of a slow and deliberate show. So um, we'll wrap it up there. We'll revisit 11 and 12 at a later time. Um, And, yeah, in the meantime, uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media. And until then, remember, the Force will be with you. Always. Always. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million.